If you had the chance, would you change the world? Welcome. I'm your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Meryl's Wonen is a holistic and democratic housing cooperative in Zurich, Switzerland. It is definitely not your typical housing co-op. They have created an innovative complex that is in harmony with the needs of the natural environment and its diverse residents. Members can meet all of their basic needs within the immediate vicinity. Parks, workspaces, retail spaces, care facilities, electric car sharing, and community rooms all contribute to this vibrant mini-city within the city. In this episode, I speak with communications officer Rosalie Ferreira about how the co-op was funded from a union of many other co-ops, the importance of consulting with the community throughout its development, their innovative design and facilities, inclusionary and affordable housing, social engagement within the co-op, and more inspiration to design housing that we all desire and deserve. So hello, Rosalie. Welcome to the podcast. As urban housing is increasingly being put into the hands of private developers that have no reverence for the local community, I'm really interested to learn about what Mayor Alswonen is doing to combat this. Can you please share a bit about the background of Mayor Alswonen and the development and inspiration behind it? Yeah. Um, so first, thank you for having me in your show. I think it's really important to talk about cooperatives from different branches. And um, today we're going to talk about cooperative housing. Um, in Switzerland, cooperative housing has a long history. Um, it has a history of more than 100 years. Uh, people used to be here in extreme poverty. When, uh, it's hard to imagine it now because Switzerland is such a rich country. But 100 years ago, people were really, really poor and they were migrating everywhere. And they were also um, struggling to find uh, um, good housing in cities. So they organized themselves, they built collectives and founded the first cooperatives. And um, when the cities saw that this was working out well, they also started supporting them uh, also to um, have something like a social peace because uh, at that time, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, the communist revolution was going on really strong and uh, I think most of the administration and the politicians at that time thought it's better to uh, support people with um, social democratic uh, values and liberal values uh, to not lose them to the communist revolution. So this is a bit of history that was going on 100 years ago. But uh, this was like the foundation of uh, cooperative housing in Switzerland, which was for workers, especially for workers at that time. And so um, we have a lot of cooperatives um, in, in, in Switzerland, especially in Zurich. Um, we, have a, we have the aim to reach 33% of non-profit housing in Zurich, in the city of Zurich. Uh, in the next few years, um, we are at 25%. So 25% of uh, rental housing in Zurich is already non-profit and most of it is provided by cooperatives. 
So this is somehow the background, the all over background. And when it comes to Mehr als Wohnen, uh, our uh, housing cooperative was founded by other cooperatives in uh, 2007. 2007 was the year that they were celebrating the 100 year anniversary of nonprofit housing in Zurich. And uh, they thought um, uh, a really good birthday present would be to found a new uh, housing cooperative and give us the mission to uh, do research and in innovative projects so the other housing cooperatives can learn from us. The other housing cooperatives, they had been existing for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, some even 80 and 90 years. And um, they were doing their thing, but they weren't quite innovative. So um, they thought it would be really good to found a new cooperative. And our mission is to do research and to um, do experiments and uh, be innovative for the whole branch and to share our learnings with the others, other ones. Yeah, and the result, our first big experiment, it's not really an experiment, it's a huge project was um, to build the Hunziker Areal. It's a site in Zurich in the north and it's a really big area, it's 40,000 square meters. And uh, in the beginning, they, this, uh, this, it was a site that was owned or is owned by the city of Zurich and uh, they offered it to several cooperatives but it was a high risk site because you had the incineration site nearby, the airport, um, no one was living there. People were working there, but not really living there. It didn't seem really attractive and it was really a huge site. So the other cooperatives didn't want to start the project. And so we were founded as cooperative and we had the task to also build, um, yeah, to, to, to build the site. And um, yeah, that's when it all started. So we were founded as very young cooperative and as a baby cooperative, we already had the mission to be, build a huge site with 13 buildings. Wow. Do you wanna know more? <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to learn more about what you did on this site. What's the name of the site? Uh, it's called Hunzika Areal. Areal is like Areal or the site, Hunzika site. And Hunziker is the name of the um, industry that was there before us. They were, um, um, uh, they were building, they were, um, it was a concrete industry and uh, the industry left. So then there was the site and uh, we had the, we, we, we got it from the city of Zurich as a long-term lease. So the ground is from the city of Zurich. Maybe this is also a Swiss specialty that uh, the ground is owned not all ground, but some ground uh, is owned by uh, the cities and they can give it to cooperatives and uh, tell them to, 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 build, to build buildings there. And we're paying them an annual lease uh, and they have non-profit non non housing, but they don't have the work to build it. So, and we have the ground, we don't have to buy it. So it's kind of a win-win situation. They don't build it, but they have nice, uh, affordable buildings. We, we don't have to buy the ground, but we build the buildings for uh, the uh, members of the cooperative. We build for affordable housing. So this is a win-win situation, yes. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you're being supported by the government to do something like this. And I'm sure they're giving it to you at a pretty reasonable cost, considering it's a uh, 
for you for nonprofit usage? Yes. Uh, well, we we just we, we have um, we have to pay uh, a lease annually. Um, yeah, but it but but uh, the all over costs of building it and paying the lease and having us work there um, still makes the apartment twenty five percent cheaper than similar apartments from a profit oriented uh, uh, branch. So, um, th you know, new buildings are always expensive. All the buildings, they, they're, they're getting cheaper and cheaper and um, new buildings are always expensive, even, even buildings from uh, housing cooperatives. But ours is relatively new. People moved in in um, 2015, so six years ago. Um, but we're still uh, way cheaper than uh, the than similar apartments because uh, we don't want to make profit with our with our apartments. We just uh, uh, the rents are really on, only uh, there to support the buildings if we have to fix something, so we can pay um, fixing it, or if we have to, um, to we have to pay the lease. Of course, uh, this is also included. We have to pay our salaries. Uh, there are people working there supporting the the the, the tenants. Um, but for the rest, we're not making profit. And if we make a little bit of profit in the end of the year, we pay it back to the people. We give it back to them. So the members get a dividend. Yeah, yeah. Were the co-ops that um, helped to start the Mayor Alswonen, did they also give startup funding yes. in the beginning? Yes, and that was really important. That was really, really important. We couldn't have uh, built the whole site without the support of um, our founders. Um, we were a new cooperative. Of course, we needed money to build. And we also have to go to the banks to ask for money. Um, but of course, the banks asked us for security. What security do you have? You're, we're just founded. You don't have any securities. You don't have any buildings. You don't have any land. You have nothing. So our members, they were really um, settled um cooperatives um with funding they said we're the security we're giving them money and uh, we're the security that you'll get your money back too that the project will be successful because of their support and also because of the support of the city of zurich we were able to get the funding for the project because we could give them security other way around as a young cooperative it would be really really difficult because we can't give any security to the to the banks and they ask for securities so like that it was possible right it helped to gain your credibility for the banks yeah. and i think it's important how uh, you had your startup co-op found your startup founders who are also co-ops but the co-op that you're creating in itself is supposed to be a support network for other co-ops so i uh, i like how um there's a reciprocal relationship between all of them um and i, I love the idea of using an underutilized space to create something um, such as affordable housing and that is innovative so I would like to know what Mayor Alswonen translates to and how it's embodied within the co-op. Yeah, 
So may as one can be translated as more than housing. And um, this was the slogan of the 100 year anniversary. They called it May as one and it's more than housing. Uh, Nonprofit housing is more than housing. It's really about um, living. It's about community. It's about um, having your business nearby. Um, it's about um, empowerment. And um, so they took the, the slogan of the anniversary and we were founded and then gave it to us as a name. So um that's the history of how we uh we, we were given our name and uh, the way it is um um executed or um lived in in in, in is um that we not only pro we provide also space for uh, for businesses so a lot of people who live in our in the Hunziker side also work there and have their own business there and uh, we also rent those uh, business spaces out to an affordable price, um, which is also really important to start your own business. And um, we also have a lot of communal spaces which can be used freely or for really little money for, different, for the people living there. There are really a lot of different communal spaces. You have like a workshop, for example, you have a sauna, you have a, a, a big kitchen where usually people meet uh, at lunchtime, not now with Corona, it's difficult, but before Corona, there were families meeting uh, over lunchtime and cooking together so you can support each other. It's not only uh, um, the families cooking for themselves, but they join forces and they cook together and eat together and we provide the spaces. Um, so that's, that's the idea behind more than housing or mehr als wohnen, that um, the site we built is really a place where you can um, live and and stay and stay. So even if your um, your lifestyle is changing, for example, uh, there's a divorce, but you want to stay there because your friends are there. It's possible to stay there because we have different kinds of um, of apartments. We have apartments that go from studios, really small studios, to 13 and a half rooms apartments, the so-called cluster apartments, um, where people live in shared flats and also shared economies. So um, yeah, we, we really try to provide like a whole neighborhood in, in, the, in that, this place. And before we came there and built there and people moved in and um, uh, started building also um, participating in building their own ideas there it was nothing it was almost nothing and it's really astonishing to see what what has been developed there in the past few years that's incredible and I love that you guys have spaces where people can learn from each other so it's not just an environment that you're living in or working in but you're also um, having exchanges with each other so this sounds like you guys have a long wait list because who wouldn't want to live in a place mm -hmm. like this I'm curious how you guys decide on who gets housing first versus others yeah when they apply well so we don't have any waiting list um, most housing corporates don't have any waiting lists because um everyone wants to be on a waiting list and um, 
it really it really doesn't help. Um, you maybe people at that point found something different in Zurich. It's really hard to find um, affordable space in Zurich. So, and for us, it's not we can't manage it with a waiting list. So, like most other housing corporates, we don't have a waiting list. But as soon as we have an apartment, a vacant apartment, we put it online so people can see, and we also write it in our newsletter and everything. Um, as for the criteria. Um, the aim for, for um, renting the apartments was to reach a diversity that's um, comparable to the diversity of the city of Zurich, um, for, as comparable to the demographics of the city of Zurich. Um, and the criteria are, for example, um, uh, income, but also uh, to have a uh, um, um, what is Herkunft? I have to look it up. I'm, there. I'm sorry. Um, origin, where you come from, um, but also um, if you live with your family or if you're alone, um, uh, the age, the age also. So we try to really have a good mix on the whole site, but also in the buildings. For example, um, um, we have an extra of 20% of apartments that are for families or people with low income, but we didn't put the apartments all in one building. So the apartments are really throughout the whole site so that we have a good mix. Um, we don't have, we don't have like, for example, this is the, the cheap building and we put the poor people there. This, this would be discriminating. We don't, <laughs> we don't do stuff like that. So it's really, um, everyone has the same quality and the low income fam families live together with persons, uh, with academics, for example. So we really want to have a, uh, a mix like in the city of Zurich. Um, so it's not only for, um, people with low and middle income cooperative housing. We also have people there living there that could afford to live differently, but they want to live there like that because they really um, uh, want to, to um, live in a community and also to participate and elsewhere you ha don't have the possibility to participate, for example. Yeah, so we have this mix. What we can say that we would have liked, liked to have um, way more elderly people living at our, on our side. We attracted a lot of um, young families. So on, in the average, um, the people living there are way younger than in the city of Zurich. Um, we have a new school nearby. So of course, with a new school and a new kindergarten, we attracted rather um, young families. Um, but these will be growing older and in a few years they, yeah, they will be staying there probably and uh, um, then we'll have our elderly people. Um, yeah, so this was something we didn't achieve in the beginning. Um, we have more, more people with low income living there in comparison to the, uh, to the statistics of the city of Zurich, which is very fine for us because um, with other housing cooperatives, it seems to be a bit difficult to um, enter and to, to rent out an apartment. And we're really, um, we really want to provide space for, for people that um, have difficulties on, on the housing market. So low incomes are very welcome. And also migrants uh, are very welcome. I'm a migrant myself. My, my, my boss is a migrant. So we have a lot of um, 
women working in our space, uh, migrants, and we're, we, we're, we have the sensibility. So we um, know how hard it is to find a space to, to live when you come to another country and we want to provide this space. That's beautiful. The amount of diversity that a neighborhood has, I think equates to the amount of resilience that it has as well and vibrancy. Um, so the fact that there's cultural diversity and age diversity, I think um, will allow the co-op to be more sustainable as well. Um, it would be great to have older um, people living there too because you could even have like a childcare program where the, the older um, people can take care of the children and learn from them and I think that would be really beautiful. Well, then I can add, add, add a thing to that. So we have a lot of local groups um, on our site. We have more than 40 local groups. Local groups is when five people come together and they have an idea and this idea benefits the community, then they can found themselves as local group. And uh, as a local group, they can apply for funding. For example, if one local group wants to um, make uh, regularly uh, concerts or, or, or readings or, um, or, or, or um, I don't know, political evenings or something, they can apply for funding, they can fund themselves. So we have a lot of groups. Um, that's really, really cool. That also, that's also contributes to the liveliness of the, of the Hunziker side. And we have one local group that is called um, 60, more or less. So their name is 60 more or less. They're all around 60. Some are 65, some are 59. And um, they've been doing a lot of research and uh, having a lot of ideas and uh, provided us with a really cool concept, how we can improve the attractiveness of the site for elderly people. And also with really good ideas, um, what we can do to do that. And we're discussing this with them. So we're really looking forward to actively attracting um, elderly people to our site in the next few years. We're working on it. Yeah, and, and thanks to them because they came up with the ideas, they came up with the experiences and we were, we were really thankful for that, yeah. Wow, that makes it even better that the members of the co-op are actively participating and um, incubating ideas to make it an even more um, thriving environment. And um, since we're talking about developing the co-op, I would like to know about the construction of the co-op um, because most housing developers don't take the needs of the community within, into consideration when they start developing spaces. Um, and I know that in the developmental stages of the co-op, you all consulted with not only the community, but also a sociologist. So what was the impact of these collaborations? Yeah, we, we work together with a lot of people, not only sociologists or architects, but also with artists, for example. So there was a lot of interdisciplinary um, thinking going on. And um, um, I wasn't there when it all started, so I all just know it from, um, from, from, from stories I've been told or from books I've read. 
Um, but from the beginning, the dialogue process was really, really important because um, we didn't want to build a, um, a site that uh, didn't meet the, um, the uh, expectations and the needs of a community. So we uh, involved the local community that was not on the site, but around the site. We, we invited them to tell, to tell us um, what, they, what their ideas are, but also um, uh, what they need, what they would li uh, like to have there. And uh, so uh, we met several times and um, we, we did it. Um, 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 we always discussed certain clusters of, of topics like uh, sustainability was maybe one topic. And another topic was just like, what, what kind of local businesses would you like to have around? Um, what, what would be your needs um, concerning the apartments? And, um, and all these, these discussions, they were also um, synchronized with the development process, process with the architects. So the architects weren't building in their own architect bubble. They uh, always uh, had to sync their process with the um, dialogue process that was uh, going on too. And they also joined the dialogue process. So, um, yeah, this was quite new. It's, um, it's intensive to do it, but um, in the end, we have the impression that um, the results are, people are really happy to live there. And um, 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 we do an, a survey every two years to ask, to ask um, our tenants um, what is, uh, if, if they're still happy to live there, if there are things that we can change. So we get um, feedback and have the possibility to adjust. And um, think with the sociologist, I can't remember. I wasn't there. My, my friend is a sociologist. She works there. Maybe you're speaking of Anna. Um, she's a uh, sociologist and she was there from the beginning and she played a huge role. She's in charge of participation. So maybe it's, uh, you're talking about Anna. So she, she's in charge of participation and uh, she, um, um, she's, she's, she's in charge of modeling participation processes so that um, um, they don't have high barriers so that people can, so that they're inclusive. And um, yeah, so yeah, probably it was her. And she helped modeling the processes. She helped and she still helped and she's still with us. She's still working here. Yeah, I think that that's so important to involve the community and not just the community but artists and architects and all of the elements that make a neighborhood or a community um, innovative and culturally diverse and um, really taking into account account the people that have been living there instead of just trying to drop this thing in a community and it um, spec people to work around it. Mm -hmm. So, for for example, one one more one example maybe um, the site it was uh, the planification was for fourteen buildings, but we only built thirteen buildings because we said from the beginning we're going to leave a space for the fourteenth building because we don't know the needs of the new community yet. We can't anticipate them, so um, we still have the space. Uh, it's being used um, temporarily um, as a playground, also as an artist space. Um, and uh, now we're starting to develop ideas for these, 
14th building and we're doing it with the community that's living already there so they can tell us yeah we need a, a room where we could do uh, concerts uh, really loud concerts or we need a room for we need a space for for the young people or um, we need a space we have some food cooperatives um, on our site that were also developed by the people there and uh, they said we need better space for our food cooperative it's not so good how we have how we have it now we could organize it in one space on the 14th building so we have a lot of ideas for the 14th building and we're going to build it also in a participatory process yes so this is really exciting and it's starting now that's very cool so what other types of businesses do you have on site um well it's um it's um the food cooperative are not really businesses they're because they're a non-profit so people um, engaging in them are more of activists more or less and um and they're doing it in their spare time um yes um as for the other businesses, um, we have a bakery, for example, a cafe, a restaurant, two restaurants. Um, we have um, a nail studio. Uh, we have a, a hairdresser. Um, what else do we have? Um, massage. Uh, we have a bookshop and a, um, we have a bookshop. What else do we have? Uh, we have a workshop for um, people with disabilities, um, they work there and they also live on the site in um, one of the cluster apartments. Um, and uh, very, very recently, there's a tattoo studio that moved in. It's moving in now. <laughs> it's a bit of a hard time for the tattoo studio to move in now because um, they're not allowed to tattoo at the moment in Switzerland because due to the pandemics. But um, now they have time to prepare and settle thing, settle everything, to do everything, to prepare everything so they can open their doors, hopefully sometime in spring. Um, it's obviously a very a famous tattoo artist. I forgot his name, but um, he's from Barcelona. And, um, and a, a, a friend of mine has a tattoo from him. It's really interesting. When I told her there's a tattoo studio coming to our place and the name is this and that, I forgot it, I'm sorry. She said, oh, it's this guy. I got a tattoo from him when I was in Barcelona. That's really interesting. So yeah, now he's at the Hunziker site and I'll have a look too, as soon as the doors are open. I love this place more and more. You yeah, essentially don't have to leave. I definitely want to. You have everything you need there and more. And it's creating this like regenerative local economy so people don't have to leave their area to um, have the wealth continue circulating in that community so that's really cool um and can you share some of the innovative design and facilities integrated within the co-op because this seems to be what really sets you all apart from the other um, older Swiss housing co-ops. Yeah, so maybe one thing that's, um, that's quite innovative um, are the cluster apartments. So we have 15 so-called cluster apartments 
Um, sometimes they're also named satellite apartments and they're, they're consist of nine and a half to 13 and a half rooms. And uh, the clusters of satellites are uh, units of one or two rooms with a known bathroom and they're gathered around communal spaces, a big kitchen, a big living room, and then you have a, a smaller space uh, where, where you can work, for example, where you can have a small office, for example. And um, um, yeah, so they're, they're like shared flats, but shared flats with a bit more um, privacy um, because you have your own bathroom. And um, we rent them out to associations. So when people first moved in, they had to find a group of yeah, at least five or six persons to found an association so we could rent these uh, cluster apartments out. And um, they, they're the ones, we have the contract with the associations, not with the individuals living there. So they're in charge if there's someone moving out or someone moving in, they're in charge of dealing with it. And the good thing about this, a lot of people really want to uh, live in a collective and they're, they don't have the, the, the um, they don't want to be living as a heteronormative family, for example, or they don't, um, yeah, they have a different, uh, they imagine of living differently, but they want to live in a collective. So um, these cluster apartments are really good for that. Um, um, yeah, collectives can organize in these cluster apartments. And uh, the, these collectives, they share um, um, all the care work, um, um, there, there are not so many families living there, but there are families, especially single parent families living there. Um, so they share care work. Um, they also have to discuss a lot uh, about how living together. They have a lot of visitors. And one thing we can really say is, say is that um, a lot of things that um, happen in the Hunziker area come out of these apartments. So they're really used of organizing collectively and they bring it into the whole community, not only their building, their apartments, um, they have a lot of energy and good ideas and resources, and they share it with the whole side. So this is something that's rather innovative to have these um, cluster apartments, to have bigger buildings where collectives can move in. And some of the collectives are rather artsy collectives, like people that are artists, some others are more academic collectives, some other are activist collectives. So, and we provide spaces for these because it's really hard for collectives to find spaces to live and work, affordable spaces. Yeah, so this is rather innovative, yeah. That's really interesting. It reminds me of like an urban intentional community, um, except their associations that already know each other and that are working for a shared vision rather than um, putting a call out and trying to get people to um, buy into this intentional community. And, and especially to have it in an urban setting. Like, I don't know of many intentional communities that are in an urban setting. And I'm sure the decision-making processes and all of those things that they have to go through in their space does... Um, pour outward to the rest of the community. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, once a year in summer, we do a huge, huge party. If you go to our website, you will find maybe, uh, I will send you a link. You will find really, um, yeah, 
the pictures are really the 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 the, the party they do it's really for the whole of of uh, the north of zurich it's it's huge we could never organize it as management i mean never we uh, we could never but they do it in their free time and uh, that's um some of them are really pros like they they do um um, technique for concerts and everything and um, we provide them we have the funding so we can uh, for example um, give the funding for uh, for uh, for the technique so they can um, rent it or buy it and um, yeah these parties are astonishing it's so they're so so good and then everyone comes the people living there they have their place there they sell, they sell their food and you can really uh, spend the whole day eating there. You can eat um, Afghan food, Pakistani food, uh, Spanish food, Mexican food. We have so many um, people with so different backgrounds and um, once a year they cook for nights probably to prepare themselves for the party and then they come and sell their food there. So yeah, it's a really, really nice party. It's really, yeah, due to the pandemics last year we couldn't do it but it's um, the people in this building the satellite apartment building the cluster apartment building they're the drivers behind this party and it's so much work and we're so thankful they're doing it it's really really great i will send you the pictures i was just about to say that sounds like a good time for me to come visit when is the <laughs> festival generally uh it's an uh, end of june beginning of july more or less are you still thinking of whether or not you'll do it this year? Oh, no, we're not going to do it. It's too much risk. And it would be a pity then to cancel it last minute. So, mm -hmm. no, next year. Well, you guys also have a commons commission yes. that helps with social activities. Um, so what kinds of activities do they coordinate for community members? Well, it's exactly the activities I've been talking about. Um, I, I, um, I told you already that we have funding. So um, all the people that are living there, they um, pay a small, um, they contribute uh, according to their income. Um, they pay a contribution monthly to a solidarity fund. And um, from the solidarity fund, we can do several things. For example, if one tenant living there has um, problems to pay their rent, we can support them with the solidarity fund. If a business has a problem, we can, uh, the Solidarity Fund can help. And, um, but also a huge part of this uh, funding goes to the committee you were speaking about. And they're responsible for this fund. And uh, then it, this, this funding is really for all the activities like the party, for example, but also um, um, the sauna or the workshop if there's a if, for example if something if if, if some um, something breaks some then then people can then the local groups can apply and say for example the saw has broken the workshop we need a new saw could uh, it will cost this and that um, could you give us the money please so they're responsible for the funding of the local groups and um, they're responsible for uh, the administration of the communal spaces. So for example, if they see a space is underused, we had, a, we had for example, a space um, that was uh, used by a group that did meditation and yoga, but it was really few persons. So 
the room was somehow underused in comparison to other rooms. And so the committee sp spoke to these persons because um, other tenants came up and had the need to uh, build a, a small gym for their own use. And yeah, now this room is uh, partly used by the meditation and yoga group and partly used by the people as a gym. In the beginning, it was like the yoga and meditation people said, we don't want a gym there. <laughs> this is giving us strange vibes. And um, yeah, but this was a discussion process. In the end, it was really fine for everybody. And now this room is uh, used differently um, by both groups and they, they, they um, manage it um, together. I think this also contributes to different people getting to know each other because they discuss with each other and they have to share things, even if, if in the beginning they're a bit hesitant to do it. Um, yeah, so this is, and this is something that the committee um, uh, administers. So uh, they saw it and they used, people came up to us, they said, we need a room. Do you have any spare place for a gym? We would really like to start a gym. And then they looked at the rooms that were possible and spoke to the people of the yoga and meditation group. And now the room is uh, in shared use by both groups. Yeah. So this is what the committee does. They have a lot of work and they also do it in their spare time. And the committee is elected by the General Assembly. So um, all the people living there, they um, participate in the elections uh, all, every three years and they um, elect the committee. There had been elections just a few months ago. That's really cool that you guys have essentially a committee that makes sure that spaces aren't being underutilized, that the funds that are um, being given to create a more productive and vibrant and um, diverse community is being utilized. And I love the idea of multi-use spaces too. Um, so people f in the community themselves feel heard and that they are developers themselves, um, developing uh, spaces that meet the needs of not just themselves, but of the greater community. Yes, another example, for example, for this development is that um, um, the Hunziker area, we don't have, uh, cars are generally forbidden, so you're not allowed to have a car, which is not really necessary when you live in Zurich because you have all the buses and the trams and this works really fine. There are only two reasons you're allowed to have a car if you need it for professional reasons. For example, if you work night shifts, you're, you need a car. Or if you need it for health reasons, then you're also allowed to have a car, but you can't have a car just like that. So. Uh, this is an important criteria. You asked me for the criteria. This is another very important criteria. In the beginning, you have to say if you have a car, or if you want to keep your car or not, because you're not allowed to have a car there. But in the beginning, we had a few parking places um, um, on the site, but there were also conflicts with people. There was a, the school nearby. And people were uh, driving around a little bit carelessly when they wanted to get to the parking places. So we also had a, uh, several round tables with people living there and with the school nearby and we decided to not have these parking places anymore. So we reduced the parking places even further. And then we started the participatory process with our people living at the Hunziker site and asking them, what do you want to have there instead? 
what's your idea? So we said, we, get, we, we, we will take care of the frame. This is the budget. This is the money we can spend on it. Um, um, yeah, these are the legal restrictions. But for the rest, you have to come up with ideas. So what, what, are we, what, what do you want to have there? And the decision was to um, have a small park there, to um, have more green, to have a, a, a space where you can encounter other persons. And um, so we're building a small park there now. And it was the people living at our site that came up with the idea. Yeah, that's built now at the moment. And it's due in April or May. So um, for next spring, summer, the park will be ready. And what a good replacement for having cars, because essentially that's what we would want to replace cars with, more pedestrian-friendly spaces and green spaces um, that people can congregate and have time in nature instead of being engulfed in emissions. Yeah, so we're engulfed in emissions around the site, uh, to be honest. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, streets and there's the airport and everything. But as part of the site, and this is also to serve as a role model for urban development to show it's possible. And uh, I mean, especially in Switzerland, really, this, you have this really good um, uh, public uh, buses, public trams. Um, uh, the, the, the station is really nearby. Plus, uh, we have a mobility station on our site where you can uh, rent out bikes, e-bikes, cargo bikes for really not much, of, not, not much money. So most of the people have an own bike, but if you're a visitor or for example, if you want to rent a cargo bike, we have a mobility station and we provide that too. That's awesome. I was just interviewing uh, the mobility factory that's based in Europe and um, they have a few co cooperative members that they offer a platform for electric car sharing. We also have the cars, the electric cars. Yeah, it's true. So you said that Mayor Als Wonen is supposed to be a model for what urban housing development can look like. So what systems and structures do you believe need to be implemented for the future of sustainable urban housing development? Well, um, I think what cooperatives can do is really limited also to the to the frame that the legislation gives. Um, if, um, if politics don't support, if politics, politics don't, uh, um, yeah, don't support these models, it's going to be really hard for them. Um, we're in exchange with other cooperative, housing cooperatives throughout the world. And, and there are really places where there are very few cooperatives. It's really hard for them to get funding, to find um, sites where they can build to organize, um, yeah, because politics makes it difficult on them. So I really wish that throughout the world, um, housing cooperatives and cooperatives in general would be supported by politics. And um, in order to get there, I think you need to um, do a lot of um, information work, but also to build up pressure. So it's, it's not working without pressure, I, I think. And um, I also have the impression that when people visit us, for example, and see, oh, this is working fine, this, we could have that too, that uh, sometimes it uh, provokes a, a mind shift with um, communal developers. So we're always happy to um, have visitors over here and to show them 
how it works and that it works. But um, they also have to, uh, to uh, contribute their share of work, which means um, improving the legislation so that um, cooperative housing, nonprofit housing can be supported. It has to be supported because housing is a human right. So, um, and um, yeah, it's essential to have affordable housing throughout the world. And not only affordable, but also good quality housing. Exactly. If majority of the population is to live in cities by 2050, I think it's really important that we start um, thinking more clearly through how we build urban housing, um, the type of materials that we use, and, um, and the type of people that we want to live there. It, it should really be diversified and cities are becoming more elitist by the day um, because of the lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So I really see what you guys have created as a model for um, urban housing development in cities all over the world in their own context. So how do you envision a changed world? A changed world, wow. This is a big topic. Maybe I can reduce my vision of a changed world um, to the aspect of housing. So um, we're working on a second project now. We're building a second site. It's a bit smaller than the Hunziker site, but we're working on a second site. And we're trying to um, implement all the things that we've learned from our first project into the new project. And for example, when it comes to the terms of um, sustainability, uh, we apply the concept of the 2000 watt society so that um, in terms of building and, um, and running and uh, building and running a site, but also uh, mobility, um, people don't uh, use an excess of energy. But this is a concept of energy efficiency and it's not going to bring us, it's, we're, not going, we're not coming far with that um, in face of the climate crisis. So with the second project, we're trying to show the branch that it's possible to build um, with fewer emissions. So we're going to the direction of zero emissions. We're not there yet, but of course not. But we're, 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 trying, to build, um, we're trying to build buildings and show we can build these buildings and we can run these buildings and go into the direction of zero emissions. It's not about energy efficiency, it's about zero emissions. And we want to have a good climate there because also Switzerland is getting hotter and hotter. We're also suffering from the climate crisis. Temperatures are doubling here. And uh, we have, we're building now for the next 80, 90 or 100 years. So we have to build a space that anticipates this, um, the rising temperatures and still um, provide good living for, um, for example, people with chronic illnesses, elderly people, uh, pregnant persons, um, which are very vulnerable when it comes to, um, or s small children, which are very vulnerable when it comes to the climate crisis. And we're trying to anticipate this and integrate it in the building process. So it's not only about um, energy efficiency and uh, low emissions when building, but also having a lot of green 
and um, and organizing the the the, the earth ground differently. Um, we have it's it's called um, Sponge City. I don't know if you heard about it. So that the uh, surroundings of the buildings work like a sponge. When it rains, it um, can um, it uh, keeps the water, and when it's not raining, it gives the humidity back. So that's a good climate there. So we're trying to build, um, yeah, to provide not only affordable but also um, resilient space and in ecological way, but also in a social way. Yeah. So this is my vision that um, we can be a role model and that others learn from us and that there's going to be a change in the a paradigm change in the, the housing sector. Definitely. I love the idea of adapting to not just the environment, but also the needs of people, um, the different needs people have throughout their lives in terms of like childcare and pregnancy and um, elderly people and people with disabilities. I think that's so important. And I'm curious to know if you guys plan to create these models in other parts of Europe or if you do some type of peer-to-peer -peer learning between developing housing co-ops that can workshop these ideas that you guys are innovating. Yeah, so um, this is one of our missions to, to have these, this exchange. We have a lot of exchange with other housing cooperatives in Switzerland, for example, but uh, also in other European countries. And uh, we have a large network and an ongoing exchange with um, um, experts, academics, with researchers, but also with um, other cities or, uh, um, and other ho uh, housing cooperatives. Um, yeah, so this is all already going on. We have a lot of visitors every year. Uh, last year it was not so much, but um, we even had already visitors from Australia and they were thinking about funding their first housing cooperative. I didn't know that they didn't have housing cooperatives in Australia, but they visited us like one and a half years ago and they were really impressed and they wanted to go back and yeah, do their work. So this is going on and it's not only them learning from us, but we are learning a lot from them too. And we're learning also a lot about the hardship it's of um, organizing cooperatives or a housing cooperative in other parts of the world. Uh, we, we, have a, we, we had a, a longer exchange with a housing cooperative in uh, um, the Czech Republic and, or in Turkey, where it was really, what was and is really hard to um, to start this program. Uh, we try to contribute with our knowledge, but of course the framework is really different. We have we have a long history of housing cooperatives in Switzerland, and there's a lot of money. This is a huge factor, and uh, we have political stability. And in other parts of the world, it's way more difficult. Um, but we have these networks and we try to contribute as good as we can. So if anyone's listening to this and is uh, interested in having a, 
an exchange with us or has any questions, they can always visit our website. I think you will provide our website in the show notes. Unfortunately, it's in German, but there's always Google Translate and you can contact us, reach out to us. And uh, we're always interested to hear from other housing cooperatives throughout the world. Thank you so, so much, Rosalie. I am so glad to hear of all the ripple effects that are already happening from the beautiful model you all have created and um, I'm looking forward to all of the future ones. Thank you so much for all of the knowledge that you've shared. This is the coolest housing co-op I've heard of so far. <laughs> Thanks for having me in the show. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible. So please help me by sharing, leaving a like, and a review. If you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com. Because I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve it make it better than we find it.